the mafia is certainly a real deal. They're real organized crime. Is so I probably feel safer, you know, walking downtown Moscow at night than downtown Dallas. But that's just because of the organized crime factors. So we lived in a decent part of the city, but there were two different times where we'd come out and find a dead body laying on the street. Somebody had shot them the night before, and they were still laying out there. So people would just walk around them like it wasn't a big deal. We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis, joined this week by the one and only, the CEO and founder of eRenewable, Mr. Mike Niemer. Mike, been a while since we had you back here on the podcast, but when you're doing CEO-type things, well, there's a reason for that. So, uh, A... First off, how are you? How's the family? And two, we've been churning out episodes every week here on the Green Insider Podcast, and we've been letting the folks know on LinkedIn, and of course, they can always go to our website as well, www.erenew.net, to learn more. But for the folks that are either brand new to the podcast, brand new to eRenewable, why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit about what we've been up to so far through the first three months plus here in 2021, and what is eRenewable all about? Well, you know, Fred, those are all great questions to ask because a lot of our listeners are newer to the show than others. You know, our first podcast was back in June of 2020. It was the first time you and I got on the air and started doing this. And so a lot has changed since then. When we started out, the uh, premise of eRenewable was about the electronic auction. We'll come back around to that. But with the pandemic, or we've told our listeners before, we've had to pivot. And it's not necessarily the auction that, that we're doing that much of right now. Currently, you know, we're involved with a microgrid project in the Midwest with a municipality. So we're looking forward to that coming to completion. We're involved with a uh, extremely large top 10 industrial on a renewable natural gas project. We're pretty far down the line on that. Hopefully that gets documented up soon. We get to start progressing with that. We're working with the utility this week with regards to LED lighting and HVAC efficiencies. And so we've got a lot going on. And those are all projects that we could not have done a year ago because we weren't in that space. The pandemic has allowed us to expand from into microgrids, into renewable natural gas, into LED lighting efficiencies, along with the HVAC that goes with it. We still have that unbundled RECs available to everybody. And along with that, the most important part is our auction platform. And we're in the midst of working with a nationwide battery energy storage developer. And we're hoping to host 10 battery storage auctions for him. And so we're looking forward to being able to tell all the listeners about that once that gets in play. But a little piece of all of our pies are in play right now in 2021. And it was all set up because of what we did in 2020 to get to this point. And a lot of it has to do with uh, you, Fred, and the podcast, getting the word out. Our email marketing campaigns have been still rolling. We've never stopped doing any marketing for our customers. But with regards to our auction, which is the real nuts and bolts behind eRenewable, you know, I want to go ahead and expand on that a little bit for everybody. At eRenewable, what we do is we bring technology to the sustainability space by hosting real-time online auctions for both PPAs and DPPAs. Our electronic management tool helps streamline that RFP process. So whether you're a buyer or a seller of wind, solar, battery storage, our platform can provide you the efficiencies needing 
pricing for your organization. And so with regards to wind or solar, you know, wind's kind of uh, taking a second seat to solar, it sounds like this year, based on everything that's gone on from ERCOT situation on backwards, whether you're a developer and you've got a leftover merchant piece of power that you need to get auctioned off and you want to get contracted up in a PPA, we can we can auction your merchant piece available. Whether you're a developer and you want to build a new build project, we can auction that. And within our auctions, we give the participants a chance to have a variety of terms that they can participate in and a variety of volumes. So they can enter what volumes that they need for their projects. So, you know, that's really uh, what eRenewable is about and what it started for and was founded on was the auction. Like I say, we're, we're in the middle of working on a battery storage project. We're gonna bring that auction to the public, and hopefully all of our listeners will want to show up and participate in that. So, Fred, that's what we've got going on here, and it's been exciting. A lot of different type customers we didn't think we'd have a year ago, but by golly, one pandemic later, here we are. Here we are indeed. From what we've gathered and what we've gleaned from the 30-plus guests, here we are in episode 32 now of the Green Insider Podcast and of the different, you know, I mean, how we've had probably close to 35, 36 different folks on the podcast just because of the series we've done and what have you. And and listen, everybody had to pivot in some form or fashion. And and Mike, you being, you know, the business professional and business veteran that you are, me just being able to watch you work and, and kind of the direction you're taking the company, it's certainly been a, a marvel to see. And and uh, again, it's, it's certainly fun to be on this ride. And as we alluded to uh, this morning on LinkedIn, we are just getting going. So if you got any questions, go to www.erenew.net. That's www.erenew.net. You can also email Mike at Mike at eRenew.net. That's Mike at eRenew.net. And then, of course, Mike, you can get the phone number is 1-866-ERENEW-1. 866-ERENEW-1. Give them a buzz. Shoot them an email if you got any questions. And we also do the Name and News Minute. We've also done some uh, podcasting uh, marketing that we've done as well that we just started opening up. And, and again, we got to thank Mr. Mike Nema for that. A lot of stuff going on at eRenewable. Jump on board and uh, see what we can do for you. All right. Speaking of that, Mr. Mike Nema, we've got the Name and News Minute, which we do each and every other week, where we give you the latest and greatest of what's going on in the world of Nema. So without further ado, please welcome the Executive Director of Nema, Mr. Steve Shepard. Hi, Fred. This is Steve Shepard, Executive Director of the North American Energy Markets Association. Thanks again for the opportunity to provide another NEMA update for the Green Insiders listeners. We recently sent out save the date notices for our 2021 fall conference to be hosted by Customized Energy Solutions in Philadelphia. The conference will be held October 4th through 6th at the Logan Hotel. Based on comments we've received to date, folks are really ready to get together again. It's time for some good face-to-face networking, so mark your calendars for October 4th through 6th and join us in Philly. We're also continuing our virtual presentation series. Our next presentation is Getting to 100% Renewable Energy Supply for a Large Global Entity by Kevin Helmick from Amazon Web Services. Kevin will discuss AWS's plans for achieving 100% renewable energy supply, net zero carbon, and others, and the challenges of meeting those objectives. He will also discuss how utilities and renewable generators can help AWS in that process. The presentation will be on Wednesday, April 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern. We also have presentations coming up from Julian Dumoulin-Smith from Bank of America Securities with his insights on the 2021 energy market on April 28th, our seasonal weather outlook, and others. More details on those presentations will be coming soon. On the RFP front, the Energy Authority, on behalf of Muscatine Power & Water, is seeking bids for two sets of full-attribute solar generation projects. 
MPW is seeking bids for a solar generation PPA and an existing water well field and at developer-sited locations. The preferred commercial operation date is 2023. MPW seeks to retain or resell all energy capacity and renewable attributes of the proposed projects. The projects may be solar only or solar coupled with the battery storage system. The pre-proposal conference is on April 7th. Notices of intent to respond are due April 9th and RFP responses are due May 1st. Please see NEMA's website, NEMA.com, for additional details on this RFP and others with due dates in April and beyond. Lastly, a number of NEMA member job opportunities are posted at our website. That's it for now. We look forward to giving another update soon. Thanks, Fred. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Shepard. Once again, if you've got any questions about NEMA, you can always go to their website, NEMA.com. That's NEMA.com to learn more about what they got going on if you're not a member already. And of course, all the webinars and no event this spring, still not 100% there yet, but we'd like to think that by the fall with the vaccinations and all the numbers going down, that we will be able to attend the NEMA conference. So without further ado, let's jump to episode 32, Preston Oxner, uh, managing partner of Oxner Interest. Fascinating conversation on a number of different levels, Mike, not just about what he's doing in the M&A space on the energy side, but just his career, how he got to where he's at, and just kind of his insight, just from a holistic energy approach. A lot to learn from Mr. Oxner. Preston will bring his years of experience to our podcast listeners talking about topics that we haven't talked about so far. And so that's always, I know, a thrill for you and I is to bring somebody on that's going to talk a different piece of the pie. And as we all know, in the not just energy, but the renewable energy space is a lot of different pieces. And that puzzle continues to be built day after day after day. And whatever new bills might come about out of Washington, D.C., builds another piece of that pie. And so as we keep uh, trying to educate the listeners, we appreciate you all listening. You all are going to enjoy Preston. So take it away. Tell the folks at home what you do over at Oxner Interest. Sure. I help retail energy providers get the most cash when they're ready to exit our sales. Investment banking to the retail energy industry. First job out of college was teaching accounting in Moscow, Russia. Uh, started the Becker CPA review over there. Uh, came back to the States after a couple of years. Got recruited to Coke Industries in Wichita, Kansas. So that's how I got started in the energy business from Coke. Got recruited to Ernst & Young. So that got me down to Houston. Got a call from a recruiter when I was at EY. Told her I wasn't really looking for a job, but there was one company if she could get me into, I would probably do it. Sure enough, 48 hours later, I was interviewing with Enron. So that's how I got started uh, in the retail electricity business. So taught accounting for a private consulting firm over there. It was, and I'm sure still is, a big demand for U.S. GAAP accounting principles there, our international accounting standards, teaching Fortune 100 companies, so Halliburton, PepsiCo, 3M were some of our clients there. Those Russians that were working at those Fortune 100, Fortune 200 companies ah, okay. that were learning U.S. GAAP accounting. Any good stories from over there? Uh, well, the mafia is certainly a real deal there. Real organized crime is, so I probably feel safer, you know, walking downtown Moscow at night than downtown Dallas, but that's just because of the organized crime factors. So we lived in a decent part of the city, but there were two different times where we'd come out and find a dead body laying on the street. Somebody had shot him the night before and they were still laying out there. So people would just walk around them like it wasn't a big deal. So, so that happens. 
started Enron 98, 99. Fascinating time. So Enron was active in other deregulated markets. Uh, you know, California, for example, is one that comes to mind. So they knew uh, about retail electricity. They knew about competition. They were a big advocate for competition. And in other markets, they were certainly involved in crafting the legislation in Texas and ERCOT um, you know, on the regulatory side. So it was good. It was good to have those resources behind you. It was good to have that expertise behind you. And uh, yeah, I just got lucky to be in the right spot at the right time for ERCOT. How surprised were you what happened back in February? Very surprised that it was to that degree. So I would not, I don't think, concur with just a matter of time before it happened. I don't think anybody can predict the weather. Um, and that was obviously a big driver in it. I think that's, that's tough to say. Very surprised. But I was surprised also. I think it could have been even worse on the retail front, actually. You posted on your, your page about you know Senate Bill 2 and Senate Bill 3. They won't offer index pricing to customers. Share with us your thoughts on Senate Bill 2 and just kind of why you see that as a potential issue. And, and put on your, your ERCOT hat. If we made Preston Oxner CEO of the day for ERCOT, how would you handle this mess? I believe that customers should have a choice to sign up for whatever they want. I think that uh, you know customers are intelligent. If they don't understand the market or don't understand the products, there are certainly more than enough resources and organizations out there to help understand. Customers have a variety of options out there for them to help them choose the best product. If somebody wants to take a gamble and, and gamble on gritty, which they won't be able to do it with gritty, but somebody else potentially, then I think they should have the right to do that as well. I, you know, libertarian, I guess I would say. I think that uh, you know, limit choices for customers that has unattended consequences. You know, the bill I contemplate applying that to small commercial customers as well. Um, so once you get rid of that real-time price signal to customers, then you start taking away some options for demand response. And some of those options are certainly viable at the small commercial level or could be, and by extension, the residential levels. I don't like to see you know, options taken away from people. I don't like to see government getting involved and telling people what they can sign up for and what they can't. It's also a slippery slope. So if you say that, okay, you can't sign up for an index product, well, then, uh, you know, the next time something happens, uh, what's going to come out will be you can't sign up for a product that's over seven cents, or you can't sign up for a product that, you know, is longer than three years or shorter than three months. So it's a very slippery slope. I think once you get the government involved in making decisions on what you can and can't do, uh, it, it doesn't end up well. And I guess go back to my days of living in Russia. I've seen how that works out. <laughs> no, you certainly have. For folks that just all they know is they go to a website, they buy their electricity and, and they pay their bill every month. What exactly does, is a wholesale index product? Wholesale index product would be index, technically indexed to some type of ERCOT index. But what's being contemplated in the legislation, my understanding of it, is when it's settled against the real-time index. So ERCOT has a day-ahead market, and they have a real-time market. They operate two different markets. The language uh, talks about the real-time market. So the real-time market is where you see the most volatility. You see prices go negative, uh, you know, as they are now in some places. You see prices go to $9,000 or, or even higher with adders added on. So the language, you know, in the bill and, and what, what got people, you know, that were with Gritty was exposure to the real-time market. So ERCOT has to balance supply and demand instantaneously, and they set a price every 15 minutes 
for doing that. And if there's not enough supply or generation on, then that price is going to be very high, as we saw. Uh, if there's too much, then it'll be very low. But it's a very volatile market there. Is there a yeah. way the market can simplify itself any instead of having those two distinguishing type markets? Is there a way that a third index that could be made, making it easier for the consumer and more reliable, for lack of a better word? Do you see that ever happening? I do. I think that's possible, and it could already be out there. So I don't claim to know all the products are offered in the bilateral market or the, the private market outside of what ERCOT offers. But somebody such as ICE could offer an index that's, you know, an average of the prices. That could be a, you know, a daily average. That could be a weekly average. That could be a monthly average. Providers could do that as well, but it'd be a little hard for them to hedge that without the product offered in the market. But yes, you could smooth out those real-time prices or the day-ahead prices financially and, and make it less volatile. And in a way, that's what uh, retail energy providers are doing when they offer a fixed price for three months or 36 months. That's the other frame of smoothing out that volatility because they're, they're buying that power every 15 minutes regardless. It just seems like that if we could come up with a, a simpler product, the average consumer could trust in them making a free will decision that's not going to all of a sudden run them, you know, several thousand dollars for the weeks of power. I think that market, when that exploded on gritty, scared so many consumers and scared the politicians that I'm hoping there's not an overreaction here and calmer heads will uh, prevail and be able to give us a little bit better answer for the consumer. Oh, I hope so. And I, and I think one possible solution that may be better than limiting choice for customers is you know, maybe disclosure. So I think there certainly be more disclosure around products. So if you're going to offer you know, a real-time product or index real-time product to a customer, then show them what their bill looks like if it goes to $9,000 for four days, and then ask them if they're still comfortable signing up on that if somebody is, then more power to them. They should be able to do that. Where are we at right now, or what are you seeing movement-wise as far as uh, mergers and acquisitions are concerned after what went down in ERCOT, and what, what's the latest and greatest that you've heard or that you're seeing on the bankruptcy front? Uh, yeah, we have seen uh, some M&A. Uh, we haven't seen it to the uh, extent that some people thought might be. Uh, one of the reasons for that is – I think I alluded to it in the post, is most of these small to medium providers have some type of credit supply agreement. So that could be with EDF, that could be with Shell, that could be with DTE, uh, et cetera. BP is another one that's active in that market. So they're, um, to simplify it, on the hook for those real-time prices. And they you know, attempt to pass those on to the provider, retail energy provider that they support to the extent they're not hedged. So anybody that was in that market or short during that time period uh, was, was getting bills that were multiples of what they've gotten before. There are several of those credit supply facilities that have entered into debt agreements with their providers or absorbed those entities. So you haven't seen the fallout that you might uh, otherwise see. It's another reason for the lack of significant M&A is value. So providers were either worth something or they were worth negative amount that, that was not something anybody was going to touch. So they were so far underwater because of their exposure to those prices that there's no saving them or there's no value in buying them. What's next for ERCOT? 
And are we going to see any substantial change or any substantial reform? Or is it going to be, you know, maybe maybe a little tweak, little tweak here, a little tweak there, but the fundamental system is going to remain the same? Good question. So what's next for ERCOT is you're seeing an example uh, come out publicly with Bulb Energy. So Bulb's a, a client of mine. Uh, they've entered into an agreement with ERCOT to pay off their balance uh, over time. So good for them. Good for them for, you know, paying those amounts, whether they agree with them or disagree with them. I uh, did for them for sticking it out and not, you know, selling their customers and declaring bankruptcy. Uh, they're also part of a much larger, you know, international entity as well. So ERCOT's, I know, working on similar agreements with other parties privately. So that's one thing that's next for ERCOT. Secondly, is there's still political football of what to do with, I think the number they're using now is $16 billion in charges. How that gets resolved, I'm not certain. It seems like if I had to call it today, unfortunately, I would say those charges probably stay as they are. And those people either enter into payments plans with ERCOT, such as Bald did, or they declare bankruptcy and uh, attempt to get out of that debt. As far as general market reforms, uh, I think we're certainly going to see some of those, the you know, limitation or ban on index products, resident small commercial customers is one example. There's a lot of other fairly significant language in that bill as far as you know, weatherization of power plants, as far as coordination of you know, natural gas supplies with power supplies. So I do think that a significant majority of that legislation will probably pass just because there's been so much uh, bad press around what happened. And then there's so many people, you know, be they consumers or, you know, residential energy providers or even, you know, the, the big public generators, you know, were hurt as well. So there's a lot of people that feeling the pain. And we haven't seen much of is who won. This is really a, you know, if everybody pays their bill, it's a zero sum game. How far do you think the winterization will go by the time this is all said and done? Yeah, my short answer on that would be uh, we'll see. I don't consider myself a, an expert in that or close enough politically to that. What I think will happen is, uh, yes, you will see some requirement for the power plants especially. So I think ERCOT is going to put in some at least bare minimum requirements for winterization, for weatherization of those power plants. But I also think that's going to be driven by the market and will probably take care of itself. So if you had a generator and missed out on $9,000 power prices for days on end, then I guarantee you that Bob or Joe or Shirley, whoever's in charge of that power plant is doing that work right now. Thank you once again to Preston Oxner, managing partner of Oxner Interests. And, you know, Mike, the one thing I feel good, and you talked about it before the before the podcast started, about us trying to bring different pieces to the table as far as both the energy and the renewable energy side. And one of the things Preston talked about, and we're seeing it become a more constant theme, whether it's the Jane Strickers of the world, the Steve Berbricks, I mean, the folks that we've talked to so far about, again, with this energy transition, it's going to take more than just renewable energy and the fossil fuels. It's going to take them both working together and that's something that again once you heard illuminated by mr oxner there and of course the ERCOT fallout isn't done yet we're still seeing a lot of it texas state legislature's got some things to work on obviously for us that's a local issue but again i think it serves as kind of a, a good learning lesson for everybody out there just from the grid as a whole we know mike just whether it's ERCOT, you know the west coast east coast the grid's going to need some attention and ultimately it's going to have to get done in some form or fashion when that gets done how it gets done we know politicians are working on it 
how it gets done from there, hey, we'll see. But you and I will be on the sidelines interviewing the folks, educating the folks, and letting folks know what's going on. Well, that's the plan. And so we, we appreciate everybody listening because this podcast is not only for us, but it's for you. And so we appreciate that. This year is still going to be another whirlwind. And so we'll see where, uh, where the wind blows. Something we're very excited about, uh, episode 32, once again, Preston Oxner in the books. Uh, coming up this Friday, we're going to have Colleen Miggle. She's a shareholder at Kilmer Crosby and Quadro. She's going to be a, the second guest on our Power Chat of the Green Insider. What is the Power Chat if you haven't heard it already? It's where we get you out in 10 minutes or less, folks. It's a short-form edition of the podcast, which we're very excited about. We had a great opening episode with uh, Ann Niemer, co-founder and COO of eRenewable. Yes, I'm sure that name sounds familiar. Our, our boy Mike knows her very well. I thought it was a good episode. Mike, we've gotten great feedback and we expect to get some more of the same with Colleen. Colleen, who you've known for a while, just kind of give everybody a tease at home, kind of what they can expect from the Power Chat with Colleen on Friday. Well, Colleen brings years of experience in the M&A space and with all the bankruptcies going on in Texas of the ERCOT situation, her business has picked up. And so she's going to talk to us about what she's seeing from a side of the market not all of us see. That's part of what our mission here is to bring other pieces. She brings a different side of it. That'll be episode 33, the Power Chat. Coming up, of course, you can check it out. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, eRenew.net, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, Mike, like we like to tell the folks at home, if you listen to us on Apple iTunes, and we know that a lot of you do, be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Why? Because we promise, and we've heard this from other folks so we know this is true this is not us just saying this you'll learn more from listening to the podcast about renewable energy than you did before you stopped by so once again thank each and every one of you for stopping by taking time out of your busy day to listen to the green insider podcast make sure go check out erenew.net to learn more about the company and if you have any questions once again follow us at erenew.net that's erenew.net or on social media at mike underscore Neemer, at the freddie d and then follow us at erenew 2024 founder and CEO Mike Niemer. I am Fred Davis. This has been the Green Insider powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier.